Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Andrew, and our topic is abortion. I'm pregnant, but I don't want this baby. Now, Andrew, really quickly, uh, Tell us what it is that you do, what industry you work in, and then we'll get right into today's topic. Hi, thank you for inviting me here. Um, my name, um, what I do is I'm CEO of a firm that does business consulting, uh, helping companies to grow. Cool. Excellent. And Andrew, this podcast isn't about who our guest is or their achievements in life or anything like that. It's really about what do they stand for, especially on the topic today, right? So let's get down to business. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? Good question. Yeah, that's why I ask it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it obviously it goes all the way back to the uh, very beginning uh, and original sin ultimately. But I think uh, capitalism, as I've seen in America and success of this country, has been rooted in capitalism itself, but the, the oil between the gears has always been Judeo-Christian values. And without mm. those Judeo-Christian values as a core, capitalism does not work as well as it can or should. And that's what's made us successful as a country over the last 200 years, is mm. that most people do the right thing even when they're not being watched and you know there's no police or regulation. They yeah, do the I right thing. Uh, and as a core, and so as that's you know, extracted from society, the United States, and we get more dysfunctional as a country because mm. now if there's not a rule and regulation telling us it's wrong, there is no moral foundation or basis for us to still do the right thing. So what I'm hearing you say is that when we take God out of society, we take really that mor moral accountability out as well. And now it's kind of a free-for-all. Is that Absolutely. Correct? And you can't have enough rules, regulations, and police <laughs> to keep us in, you know, keep society in line and operating effectively. So you don't think that the law itself can really regulate society without the presence of God? Absolutely not. It's just, those are just bigger guardrails to, say, set the general directional tone. But there are a thousand decisions each of us makes every day. That all determine it. Today, I heard, for example, on the radio of a uh, pharmaceutical mixing firm um, that gave hepatitis to a bunch of patients, and it's because um, the gentleman who was running the the, the mixing lab um, used chemicals and ingredients that really weren't uh, sterile and up to code, what? and and he was a way to you know make more money for their organization, and he wasn't following the rules. So greed. Greed, man. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's ridiculous. But morally, he would have known, I can't take a chance on poisoning people. That should have stopped him. No, no matter what his boss or anybody in the organization would say about, go ahead and use these chemicals. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so I get that, right? I'm in total agreement. You know, you remove God and, and belief in God, um, you know, 
if you don't have to answer to God, who do you have to answer to, right? Just the, the local municipalities? Well, what do you do when they're not there? When they're not watching, right? Right. Like you said, we make hundreds of decisions per day. They're not around. Right. I think the mantra that's uh, that's the code word for everything goes is don't judge me. I think that ah. that's sort of the code word for everything goes. I get that, right? I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Don't judge me, right? You got your own things. Figure yourself out. Right. Which sounds good. Yeah. Sounds right on great. the outside, but you're saying there's no workability to that. No, absolutely not. Yeah, because behind the scenes, it you know, no one's holding themselves accountable. Right. Nobody else is holding them accountable any longer because it's don't judge me, right. or I'll get offended, and then you're this type of person, right? Intolerant. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so let's get into today's topic, right? So today we're talking about abortion, right? And abortion is such a buzzword, right? So it's controversial. The second you say it, people choose a side, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's like where's the? there's no 50 shades of gray when it comes to abortion, right? There's right. no like <laughs> middle. There's like I'm either all the way on the extreme left or the extreme right. I am 100% against abortion or – I am 100% for abortion. And, you know, kind of what's showing up for you just in sh- me sharing that? Yeah. Um, what's showing up is uh, years ago when I was uh, 18 and uh, dating my first girlfriend, we started dating when we were 16. And yeah. uh, we were actually in the process of breaking up our relationship uh, when we— found the news that she was pregnant so you just to clarify so you were the relationship wasn't working out you're about to end it and then you find out she's pregnant right i i i got it okay what happened so it was obviously uh extremely uh stressful for us at the time and nerve-wracking and i had i had grown up in a catholic household but my parents would have been in the category of uh, major holidays and things like that, mm. as opposed to faith fully, fully engaging all Catholic practices and doctrines. So Catholics, well, but not fully engaged. Got it. What do they call that? Easter Catholics? Or there you go. Like Christmas Catholics? Some, something like that. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. a little of that going on. I get it. Um, so, so that was the the backdrop uh, as I was growing up, and. Uh, so at that point, we, yeah, upon hearing the news, obviously it was very stressful for us, and we, you know, spent a week or two thinking about what we we're going to do. We were in the process almost of breaking up, and and now this this occurred, and what does that mean? And though we, the interesting thing here's a good side note for uh, those that uh, <laughs> those that think you can. Uh, um, come you know get close to but not have intercourse and still have children well we did not have intercourse uh we were just close apparently and it was enough um so it wasn't even full intercourse really and so it was so like, just within proximity certain members of the body were in uh, yes. too close proximity yeah. and that occurred in a pregnancy absolutely Whoa. so that was you know so it was even perplexing for us did that blow your mind 
I mean, yeah. you're 18, 19, right? Yeah, 18. So, yeah, absolutely did. And uh, You're like, nobody taught me that that could happen. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> what the heck, man? Absolutely. So we were, you know, both very worried and upset. Uh, we, What was going through your mind at that moment, Andrew? Well, I think being uh, 18 and immature. Yeah. And self-centered and selfish. <laughs> you mean 18-year-olds do that? You know, I, um, you know, we were both, uh, you know, kind of panicked about what that meant for our futures. We were both mm. planning on, you know, going to college and doing things. And now we s- weren't planning on being together. So that just intensified, the, you know, our kind of uh, dilemma. And ultimately, we decided uh, to have an abortion. Whoa. Yeah. Was it uh, a mutual decision? Was it more one person than the other? Was there, you know? It was an equally equal mutual decision, and we both um, contributed to pay for it as well. And um, doesn't make it right, but we both pitched in. Yeah. May I ask you, right, because we need to go there, right? How did you come to that conclusion, to that decision together? Like, what was the conversation like? You know, bring us back to that moment. Hmm. Because I'll tell you right now, some of our audience, they're in that moment right now. So what you share will open up some things for them, yeah? And I know it's difficult. I see you're choked up right now, so please just go there with us. Well, I think it was driven, some of it was driven by panic. Um, You know, what do we do? We don't want to tell our parents. We don't want to tell... You know anybody? <clears throat> you know what we're uh, about. You know what we're thinking about, and and or the pregnancy itself. So when we were just so very young, um, she was maybe nine months younger than me, and so we were you know very, very young and very confused and also very fearful uh, about the pregnancy and the impact on the rest of our lives mm. in a self-centered way. What would you say scared you most in that moment as an 18-year-old young man? Was it the uh, fear of the unknown of having a baby? Or was it more what you were losing as far as like your your plans, your schemes, you know, as far as what your life looked like? Not that they're bad. They were probably good. Right. um, But you were going to lose that. Yeah, it was more about what we were going to lose, I think. Okay. And the kind of disapproval of, you know, collective society Mm. uh, at our age. Um, So I think, so neither of us was ready to be an adult, or at least we didn't think we were. And we chose what we thought was the easier path. I get it. May I ask you now, what chokes you up about that? Looking back, if you were just being fully transparent in this moment, yeah? Uh, you're you're killing someone. Yeah, I get that. Now, how do you wrestle? And I know this isn't easy, so thank you for being courageous and speaking about this. How do you wrestle with, um, you know, the other viewpoint out there that you're not killing someone? You know, Andrew, it's like, how do you wrestle with that? Um, 
You know, certainly I have every uh, motivation and reason to like to accept that rationale because, you know, that takes responsibility off of me that I did anything wrong. So mm. it certainly is attractive to be able to say that. Okay. Why don't you? Uh, it's not the truth. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I'm asking you just to kind of stay with me in this, yeah? Because um, this is this is the, the sticking point, right? This is the rubber meets the road, so to speak, right? You find yourself at 18 years old in a situation that you had no intention of. You actually had the opposite intention of not moving forward with this girl and exiting from that relationship. And there you find yourself in... Uh, the consequence of that action, yeah? Right. And, you know, like you, what I'm hearing you say is it would be very easy to accept the societal, what's becoming almost a norm or an alternative of, hey, it's not a baby, it's not a living thing, it's scar tissue, it's, it's nothing, and it's your whole life ahead. So what are you going to do, kill your life? Or are you going to just remove the piece of tissue, right? Right. What shows up for you in that? Hmm. Well, I think as soon as uh, we're conceived, you know, we are a human being. We have a soul. At that point, as the Bible says, you know, God's already counted the hairs on our head. So, so I, I don't think you can uh, move away from that reality. Hmm. Like, is that something like you know in your head, or is it something that like shows up in your heart? Like, there's a, it's like a knowing of like, no, that was that was my baby, like. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a. I would say it's a profound knowing. Okay. And I would also say, uh, my girlfriend uh, from then hmm. would a hundred percent concur, which I know. That, that it was a baby. That it was a baby. Okay, so that's a, an important distinction. So at 18 years old, not just where Andrew is right now in his life looking back, saying, hey, that was, that was a life, right? Um, but at 18 years old, you had the, the wherewithal and your girlfriend to know that was a baby and still choose. Well, I, I think maybe I wasn't so clear at 18. I mean, okay. I've become much more clear at, you know, over time. But n at 18, I think I... It was our selfishness that dominated, and I think the selfishness that dominated was was uh, you know was was blocking the case of denial where you're like this is the you know oh my gosh we have a problem we have a problem mm -hmm. and it was focusing on that and and you know blocking out what you know morally at a gut level is you know is right yeah. uh, so obviously. So after this occurred, we, you know, both both cried. You know, I took her, I took her to the clinic, and afterwards we were both in the car, and we, you know, both cried and were extremely sad. Yeah, I get that. That that sucked. The whole situation sucked. Yeah, super difficult. In that moment, uh, as a man, in that consequence. You know, she was wrestling with her own stuff, right? As, right. As a girl. 
Right. And and she was also putting herself at cause physically, right? Because she was the one getting the procedure. Right. Of the abortion. Um, and sometimes we forget the guy, right? The the father in, in that situation and what he's wrestling with. And I know on a lot of, uh, you know, sh- shows, interviews I've heard, it's a lot about uh, the woman, uh, the girl. And um, I'd like to go here today really, you know, talking about what was happening for you, right, as that 18-year-old man. Um, now, obviously, you just shared with us that you were fully present at that moment to, hey, this is a baby. This is a life. I, I have this knowing that this is the wrong decision. However, an even stronger thing was showing up for you was your life, your future. your And you, and you had to weigh those in the balance. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is this... Am I saying this correctly, or how else would you say it? I think that's reasonably accurate. I think what, um, <clears throat> when I look back on it, you know, the factors that could have swayed the decision uh, would have been a stronger faith formation, you know, as a child. How do you mean that? Uh, reading, studying the Bible, you know, going to church more regularly just uh, more time understanding God's will and uh, the value of life and what is right and wrong. Mm. So I think more faith formation <clears throat> certainly could have swayed the decision significantly. And then the other component would have been, you know, maturity and um, <clears throat> and uh, in that some of that I would say would be from a parenting perspective, of more, uh, probably more uh, discipline and accountability and maybe value sharing from my parents as to, you know, right and wrong. And if you ever find yourself, Mm. you know, in this situation, you know, come to us or those kind of things probably would have you know, definitely could have swung the swung the uh, pendulum. Yeah. And did, did you feel you could go to your parents with something this big, this situation, at that time? Yes and no. They're fairly open and accepting, but I think I was so struck with fear mm. and uh, panic at the time, as as was she. That um, and the fact that our we had our relationship we were actually moving moving apart right so it just uh, just further complicated that and i wish i had been more mature and had a stronger faith mm. i get that however you were 18 right and sometimes we beat ourselves down really hard don't we yeah and we do it for years yeah yeah You know, how have you put uh, brought peace to that decision when you were 18, your 18-year-old self, looking back on it now? Or is it still an open wound? Well, I think I went down the river of denial, you know, for a decade or, or we two. We all do that, sure. Where you just... 
try to not think about it and push it out of your mind. And, you know, it's, you know, it was a blip in my life. I didn't, you know, we made a mistake, et cetera. But, you know, you just try to try to keep it out of your mind and deny it. Um, eventually, I reconnected with uh, my girlfriend from that mm. time. And so we both had open conversations about our feelings about that. Really? That time. How many years later was this about approximately? 20. 20 years later. And that conversation came up. Huh. What occurs for you in that? Uh, she admitted that she was very, you know, still very, uh, you know, upset about it and sad about it. And and she was having, she's married, all married and has, has, has children and, but um, she felt guilty and felt that some of the problems she was having with one of her children now was related sort of like payback hmm. for, you know, this sin she had committed. Mm. So I tried to assure her that God is loving and forgiving. So I didn't believe there was, you know, any curse, if you will, mm. um, and encouraged her to ask for forgiveness and to go to confession, which she hadn't done, and I highly encouraged her to do that, mm. and not to do that in the silence of her own home, but to go see a priest and, you know, be absolved, you know, as Peter you know, is the rock the church was built on. Why do you think that was important uh, to say to her rather than her just in the silence of her own home asking God for forgiveness? I think it's important to be able to, uh, I think it's very important for people to be able to c confess and express, you know, their sins or, um, you know, in you know, to to God, in this case, you know, through the channel of a priest so that they can, uh, you know, get absolution and maybe get closure on it in a way mm -hmm. that um, is not possible, I think, just by yourself. So each of us can do very sinful or shameful things, and other people have other issues or addictions, etc. And if you go in a room and and, you know, express those sins to yourself uh, you're not taking any risk and you're not mm. fully taking that issue whatever it might be and putting it on display mm. for uh you know uh, getting it off of your chest so i think that expression probably getting it off of your chest <laughs> goes deeper <laughs> that you do have to literally take it out of you mm. you know and and uh and share that you know with the um vicar of christ as we as we see you know every you know the pope and every priest that they can uh, help you move past it and uh, and help you in that process of forgiveness of yourself yeah how long did it take you if i may ask uh to forgive yourself probably 20 years wow i get that what was the uh the deciding moment or what happened um, that finally allowed you to forgive yourself in that 
I got married at I uh, got married at 30, and my wife and I had uh, decided to uh, right from the the get go. We decided what kind of life we wanted to leave as we were maturing, and said, "Let's you know we we want to be going to church every Sunday. We want to you know live out the Catholic faith fully, not just partially or the parts we liked, like mm-hmm. a uh, like a uh, self serve menu where you can pick." And so we. The buffet Catholics. Right. So yeah, it consciously yeah. chose that this is our path. We choose our path, and we're both going to walk it. And so we both became closer to the church and closer to Christ. And, and um, one of the things I did is I read the Bible cover to cover one year. And so it just was doing a lot of things to work on my own faith formation in anticipation um, of, of my, um, my two children um, you know, coming into my our lives, and I wanted to be a good father and make sure I did a good job of faith formation. Even though I felt, you know, I didn't get maybe fully rounded in my youth, I wanted to make sure they had an advantage of that and uh, were well equipped for life, big life decisions. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, man, this subject matter is. Um, it's tough. It's tough to wrestle with. It has so many variables. No two situations are the same, right? Absolutely not. What the few things, uh, several things that helped me to work through this, uh, and you know, and my former girlfriend um, to work through this, where confession number one, mm. uh, two was we uh, put together a a plaque and there are cemeteries around the country that uh, will have an, an abortion area within the cemetery where where they they'll have large walls like you would see the Vietnam wall mm. but those you can you know create a plaque to your unborn child whoa I didn't know that so our child was a boy did you give him a name Yeah, so we named him and uh, put a uh, quote that was meaningful to us and um, uh, put him on the plaque. And so that was also a uh, an important uh, release for us Yeah. to recognize him. Yeah. So that was very important. So we, we did that. And then uh, beyond that was probably the conversation between the two of us because for years she thought she was – anguishing about it and that I probably had forgotten and had long Mm. ago moved on and it was a non-issue and she was just in her own misery about you Mm. know what had occurred so she felt alone in it absolutely but that wasn't the case at all was it no we're both in the same place and just didn't really know it and then 20 years later so we still have a healthy relationship we're both married and have children and are happily married and all that but we have a you know unique relationship from a shared sorrow yeah i get that right you both went through a tragedy together very traumatic for sure would you mind sharing um the quote that you put on the plaque for your son do you remember it was uh i don't uh you know, have it right uh, with me, but it was, 
it was basically uh, a, a quote that uh, you know in in God's hands um, and and we gave him a good name that we wrestled over for a, a month or two mm. and uh, put it all together and and made it a you know kind of official and formal and it helped give us you know peace that uh, he'll be remembered yeah as a Christian do you believe that you will get to meet him one day in heaven Yes. Yeah, I get that. That could be a pretty amazing moment. Absolutely. So, I have you know, gone on to have several, several other children, yeah. um, as well, and so it's certainly uh, informed our, our you know our faith and our teaching the faith and trying to build a strong moral foundation. And not be uh, ambiguous as to what's morally wrong and morally right, like you had growing up, right? Right. So I have a bumper sticker in my office. Um, it's uh, it says, uh, you know, save all the unborn women. Mm. You know, which just you know reminds me of you know fifty percent of the abortions that are women. They never see the light of day, so I would think that might be a really serious feminist issue, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we get so caught up on the parents that we don't really speak about the child, right? And what I really appreciate and acknowledge you for today, Andrew, is shedding light uh, and acknowledging your your son. Thank you. It's a uh, people. An abortion is not necessarily the easy way out. How so? How do you mean that? It may feel convenient or expedient or fast or to tick off the immediate pressure. Mm. But you, just like someone coming back from a war, uh, you're very likely to have post-traumatic stress from, from the event, you, whether you want to acknowledge it consciously or not, or you may be in denial as to that what you actually did, that it was only, it was only tissue and it really wasn't a life or a soul. Uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot of people that choose to live in the state of denial because reality can really, be, can really suck. Big time. So I think that's uh, the cost, true cost of an abortion, I think, is unrecognized. I, I do some charity work um, for another country um, uh, from a heritage perspective. So I do some charity work overseas and, and given for um, adopted children and uh, orphan children, etc., and in the process of that, a number of years back, I, I met a lady that was doing a work overseas, and she was with an organization that would bring, you know, this students to the United States, and it sounded like a really good program, and then I found out they were affiliated. Uh, some of their support was coming from Planned Parenthood, and I was like, absolutely not. I, I couldn't dare, you know, expose these students to uh, an organization like that. So that was really, uh, you know, in terms of my having clear values and saying, you know, I can't have any part, you know, in encouraging that kind of uh, behavior or propagating the falsehood that it's only, 
you know, it's only flesh and it's not a human life and a soul. Mm. So I think, I think that is uh, really important for anybody uh, struggling is to realize it is a human being. They have a soul, whether they're one day old or, you know, seven months old, and that um, that needs to be taken into serious account. And uh, in retrospect, had we had the child, there's no question we could have figured it out mm. uh, and made, you know, made it work. Um, and I would have, you know, had an adult son right now. And and I think in the end of the day, it would have been an, it certainly would have been the right choice. And it may have, the process would have probably uh, forced us to grow up faster than maybe we like. But that's not all bad. No, it's not, right? So you're, if you're listening right now to Andrew share his story about he and his girlfriend at 18 years old um, being faced with a very difficult situation um, due to a decision, right? And there was a consequence. And what I, what I find fascinating is that intercourse didn't even fully happen and a baby was conceived, new life, a gift from God. And, you know, 20 years later, He's wrestling with that decision. His girlfriend, he, who he's no longer with, is wrestling with the decision. And I think what he's really saying to you right now, if you're in that situation or you ever find yourself in that situation, don't be so quick to react to the fear, to the pain, to the unknown, to the scariness, because that choice will affect the rest of your life, or at least in Andrew's case, the next 20 years of your life. What would you like to add to that, Andrew? Uh, Andrew, yeah. Um, I think you summarized it very nicely. I think it's um, it's something you have to understand that a, uh, a baby in the womb is a human life, and that's where it all starts. And so preserve a life, you know, find a, find a way... Um, I know that if we had decided to have the child, I know both sides of the family would have supported us in whatever means uh, necessary. At the end of the day, no one, no one would have pulled out a shotgun. It wouldn't mm -hmm. have been fatal, mm -hmm. um, and we would have found a way to make it work. And we probably would have, you certainly may have impacted our life course, but I think the positives out of, of it would have way outweighed the negatives of it in terms of, uh, how we viewed life, how we move forward, and our, our ability to grow up, you know, be adults. Um, so I think it would have been, and the net, it would have been a very positive thing to do. Yeah. Not easy, but very positive and uh, the right choice. I get that. And, you know, Andrew, I really appreciate uh, that you're, you've gone here, right, and sharing your story because you're giving a voice today in this show to all the men out there that find themselves in this situation. Uh, some men, some boys, right, uh, in that situation don't always get a say. 
in that and the girl uh, runs and makes the decision on her own and they lose their son or daughter and they didn't get a say in it uh, however they do still have to live with that pain that loss that traumatic uh, uh, event that happened in their life and that again could affect the next 10 to 20 years of their life and they didn't even get to choose it and that's that's very powerful so I really, again, I acknowledge you for giving a voice to the guys out there. However, I want to take a minute and just give a voice to the girls. If you're a young lady and you find yourself in that situation again now or in the future, uh, listen, I, have, I know uh, many girls and I've dated several girls that had abortions earlier in their life. And I could tell you this. Whoever tells you that it does not affect your future, they're lying. I have spent time with these girls, right? I've dated it. Their, that decision back then affected our relationship now. They still had this open wound, this scar. It was so real. And if it wasn't a real life, a real baby, if it really was just uh, a tissue or, or something like that, then they wouldn't have this feeling of loss, this deep wound within their, their heart, right? Because you don't have that wound when you get a, a, a tattoo removed or you, know, you get your finger cut or you lose a pinky or something like that, right? When you lose a, a, a piece of your anatomy, a piece of tissue, your heart's not impacted. Just the tissue is, right? So why, and I say sit with this question, wrestle with this, why is it then that in Andrew's case, in his girlfriend's case, in all the girls that I've dated, all the girls that I'm friends with, why is it that their heart was wounded as well? And it was undeniable. You could say, till you blew in the face to them, oh, it wasn't a living baby. Yeah. What they, but they know different. And they go, oh, no, that was my son. That was my daughter. And I feel their loss deep in my soul. Go ahead. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you. And I think uh, ultimately everyone, if they are completely honest with themselves in their quietest moments alone, will ag acknowledge that you know, a, ba a baby in the womb is a life uh, on their own. They may not want to publicly acknowledge it. They may be in a state of denial, but it really is a human life. And, uh, you know, that's just as people look back upon the Holocaust and all those senseless deaths in World War II and other tragic events through history, um, what we're doing in the United States by aborting roughly a million babies a year you know, it's a utter grotesque, you know, travesty for a civilized society. And thank you. And I would also add, right, to this, Andrew, to your point, right? We're boarding a million plus babies a year. Each of those has the potentiality to be the next Einstein. Right. So even if you don't want to come at this from a biblical standpoint, uh, uh, a morality standpoint, or you don't believe in God, you're agnostic, you're atheist, whatever. Right. That's OK. That's fine. Right. There's no judgment here. We're having a conversation without the labels. That's what we do on Broken Catholic. However, I want you to really sit with this. Right. Where we can agree, where we can find commonality is that 
what are we losing as a society if we're killing off a million plus new persons per year just in our country yeah what are we losing how are we not progressing if progress is your thing it's all about technological progress and you know we're seeking perfect knowledge and all that other stuff right fine then wrestle with this because how do you sit with that and justify killing off a million new lives you could call it tissue however it's scientifically proven that if you don't touch that tissue it will generate into a new life no one can deny that you would be denying science itself so wrestle with that what do you want to share andrew um we've done a good job of society of focusing on saving the whales and saving the climate and saving all kinds of things i hope uh, collectively we choose to save lives that would be a wondrous thing and um if you have gone through an abortion, um, never forget that, you know, no, God will forgive you for anything. He will forgive you for any, anything you could possibly do in your entire life. You know, you have to ask for forgiveness, but you can be forgiven. And it doesn't make the pain go away, but it makes it tolerable. Mm. Thank you for going there. And I'd like to just piggyback with that. And Ed, there are three people to forgive when you wrestle with this. Three people. First, right? There, where is forgiveness needed? You have to literally ask God for forgiveness. The creator of the universe who gave a new life. Whether you're a girl, he put it in your body. Whether you're a boy, he put it in your seed. Right? That created that new life. So you have to go to the creator. Humble yourself and say, I'm sorry. I messed up. I was 18. I didn't know. I didn't have the formation. He just wants you to go there, right? To share where you messed up. He already knows what you're wrestling with. He's a father, God the Father. He doesn't want you to go through it alone. That's the first thing. He doesn't want to condemn you and chastise you. You do enough of that on your own, don't you? The world does that to us. We get that. He wants to love and embrace you, the prodigal son, right, coming home to the father, the prodigal daughter coming home to the father, saying, I messed up, father, I messed up, I made a poor decision, I chose me over the life, right? So that's the first person, go to God the father, ask for forgiveness. Second person, after the father forgives you, God forgives you, who do you have to forgive? Yourself. Yourself, you got it, Andrew. You got to forgive yourself. So many of you... You'll go, you know, as Catholics, I could speak on this. You go to confession, you ask God for forgiveness for whatever the sin is, whatever the, the mess up is. First off, admit you're broken. We all mess up. Get over your pride, right? You ask for forgiveness, and then you come out of the confessional and have the audacity to take back the sin with you <laughs> and not leave it with God. Who the freak do you think you are? You get that, right? Absolutely. It's like, don't take it back. It no longer belongs to you. God takes it. It's his now. And he promises in Scripture that he throws it into the deepest seas of the ocean, never to be seen from again, which means he actually forgets it. How amazing is God, right? That's a loving father. He doesn't hold it against you. Hey, remember when you were 18? He doesn't do that, right? 
He wants to transform you. So that's the second person. Forgive yourself. The third person. Whoever you were in that relationship with, you need to ask them for forgiveness for your part in the decision, even if it was mutual. And especially if you decided without them. You need to ask them for forgiveness. Hey, I took your baby. And I did it out of my own desire for what I felt I was going to lose in my life. Right? Fight or flight. Fear. There's two driving emotions, right, Andrew? Mm -hmm. In life and humanity. We either do things we operate from fear or we operate from love. The two really don't coexist ever. True. And I think in this situation, what shows up, you know, at 18 years old, understandably, understandably, without the knowledge, the formation, the support system, and that fear, we, cho we choose, right? And it's really difficult to choose love in those moments, right? And then I would, I would just add before you speak, because I see you have a, something to say, there is a fourth. I stand corrected. There is a fourth. You must ask the baby, your son or daughter, for forgiveness. I chose me. I chose my life over you. And that's just real. Go ahead. What shows up? No, well said. Well said. No, it's, it's, very, um, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult decision. And uh, I think what um, parents can do if they're for their children is to make sure you minimize the gray areas between right and wrong when you're raising them so they understand there really is a right and wrong and everything isn't uh, fluid. Uh, there, are, there, are, there are clear delineations and things uh, that are appropriate or inappropriate. And also if they do have a crisis um, such as this or others, that there you find some way to make sure they always have a escape valve or safety valve so one of the things that I said to, uh, you know, to, uh, to my daughter when she, when she was growing up mm. was that we had a little game we played, and I said, I, you know, I, when she was f even four or five years old and uh, six years old, and I'd be like, well, I'm like, I would love you no matter what you did. I would love you if you stole some candy. I would love you if you killed somebody. I would love you, and I would go through all of these bad things and say no matter what, I would still love you. If you were in jail, I would still love you. Wow. And that is how God loves us. That's exactly it. I think you, you just nailed that spot on, right? You're listening to this show, this podcast, Broken Catholic, where I interview other broken Catholics, non-Catholics, atheists, just like myself, right? We're all broken. The point is this, right? We're human. We make human decisions, which in themselves are broken decisions. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need God. We have to humble ourselves and, and go to Him immediately when we mess up and just say, I made a poor choice. I hurt someone. I chose myself over someone else, whatever that shows up like. And I just surrender to His will. Go ahead. I think your comment there regarding... Uh Humbling yourself is a, is a key component of it. Um, How so? I think many of us, as we grow up and we're, um, you know, successful in our education or work or et cetera, we like to take control, like to take full control, like to take ultimate control, uh, that we can judge right or wrong, make all the decisions in our lives. Um, and, you know, it's a, 
a form of arrogance. And and so I think some individuals may not or may pull away from the church because they don't want to believe in 100% of the doctrine. They want to take the 50% they like and things like that. And what I've found over life is that uh, in even elements that I didn't believe so much when I was young and said, oh, I just don't think those three are quite uh, quite on the mark. Um, over time, you know, God has straightened me out. <laughs> so you matured, be- right? And they I became more and more apparent that yeah. his wisdom is uh, far... <laughs> Far beyond, <laughs> far beyond my wisdom, and so one by one, he's uh, broken those walls down and showed me the light. <laughs> yeah, and and a slow student as I was. Hey, listen, I'm with you, man. <laughs> like I, I drive through life with the emergency brake on. Okay, that's just lots of friction, <laughs> to say the least. So you touch on a really important uh, matter here, Andrew, and I really want to uh, go here for a second. Uh, you talked about really kind of touching on the parents' role. Uh, in this and the beautiful game that you did with your daughter no matter what you do sweetheart I will always forgive you as your father and and I think you're really echoing the words of God the father no matter what you do what you've done he's saying to you I will always forgive you no matter what I will turn your mess into your message right I will turn your brokenness into your beauty that's what he wants to do. He wants to transform you. So regardless of what you've done, run back to your father so that he can heal you, bring you peace, right? And, and, and forgive and restore you. That's, that's the key, just like he did with the prodigal son. Now, here's the point I wanted to make on that. Parents, 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 parents. Listen, I don't care what label you want to identify with. You're Catholic, you're Christian, you're Protestant, uh, you're atheist, you're agnostic, whatever. I don't care. You're a parent. And if you're a parent, you have a son or a daughter who you say you love. And when they mess up and they make poor decisions just like you did when you were young, darn it, you need to stand for them and not in opposition to them. And I think that is critical. They're wrestling at that young age, just like Andrew and his girlfriend did. They're wrestling with their own fears, their own struggles, their own loss, their own anxiety, their own trauma. Do not add to it. That is not your right as a parent. Your right as a parent, your obligation as a parent, is to stand for your son or daughter and to support them and not judge them. That doesn't mean you can't correct them. Correct them. That's fine. But bring them where they need to go. Bring them back to God. Restore them. Show them how to get healed in the decision. Healed from the consequences. Show them that you're with them for those consequences. You'll be there with them. They're not abandoned. They're not alone. That is key to everything as a parent. That's love. Absolutely. What shows up for you? Um, God will never, ever, ever give up on you. Ever. Even if you give up on him. So I've go, done that. go back to him. He's been waiting. Yeah. Anything you want to share with our parents out there? I just I just lead a smackdown. <laughs> when it comes to uh, uh, every, most people, not all, obviously, um, no one is perfect. So therefore, none of our parents are perfect, and so we can all reflect back and 
woulda, coulda, shoulda, and things we wish we had gotten or needed, maybe whether it be intellectually, emotionally, or discipline, or et cetera, et cetera. And so we all have to find a way to, you know, love and forgive our, you know, parents um, and thank our parents, you know, as appropriate in different facets of, you know, our experience growing up. And ultimately know that, you know, we each, we're accountable. I'm accountable for everything that happens in my life. And so uh, no matter how good or how bad things go, you know, there's no one to blame but yourself at the end of the day. And so to take that ac- ownership and that accountability mm-hmm. and um, and in that process, uh, I was very passionate, adamant, uh, my own mini crusade in raising my children is to make sure I really laid a strong foundation and giving them what they uh, need, both in faith formation, in terms of discipline, in terms of love and openness and uh, in the life experience so that when they turned 18, they had many, many doors open in front of them. And even if tragedy or poor decisions were to befall them, you know, they would be equipped uh, to increase their odds of making the right decisions for themselves long-term. Um, and so I think that is, uh, you know, crucial because our future is our children for this country and for this world. And so um, the more we can uh, bless them with the, uh, you know, with the attention and the investment they need to come out properly, uh, the better the future is. And so uh, my ch- children are both, uh, I would consider, extremely successful um and i think a lot of that was the dedication my wife and i put into into their upbringing and the investment we made yeah so if you're hearing andrew right now what he's sharing is stand for your children take a stand for them right that's key no matter what no matter what they do you made your own mistakes too stand for your children uh what's also showing up for me boys you make a decision out there right you impregnate a girl, you take responsibility for that. That's part of being a man. And I don't care if you're still a boy, right? It's time to man up. And if you chose that, then guess what? You're going to grow faster. And that's the choice you made, right? But no more of the sea responsibility. Take responsibility for yourself. I really appreciate what Andrew's saying right now. Uh, every choice in life, there are consequences, right? There's pros and cons to everything. And, and the, one of the reasons that shows up for me, Andrew, why the world isn't working right now, it's people not taking responsibility for their behaviors, right? right? And I want to stand for a world where it works, right? A world that works, yeah. right? And that, that starts with you and I, that, that includes me, right? Standing um, and taking responsibility for our own decisions in that. Uh, so, Andrew, we're about to enter the confession round. Okay, so this is a little lighthearted. This is fun. This is <laughs> playful. I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions, and you'll have three seconds to answer each. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready? Uh, I think so. Awesome. I love when uh, I see the deer in the headlights look like I have no idea what's coming, but that's cool. All right, what's your favorite thing about being an adult? Uh, martinis. <laughs> Best answer ever. What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Oh, having to pay the bills. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Secret? Secret fear. Oh, secret fear. Yeah, that you have about people. They don't like me? Got it. 
If you could be anyone for fun for seven days, anyone in the world, who would you trade places with? Well, let's see. I think I'd have to go with a... Uh, I think Richard Branson. He seems to enjoy his life. Ah, the playboy billionaire. Who wouldn't want that as a man? What do you wish you were better at? Hmm. There's so many things. I'm not sure where to start on that one. What would be the first one that comes to you? Go. <laughs> uh, probably better. Uh, uh, more courageous in difficult situations. Got it. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Mm. Love photography. Passionate about that. Nice. What makes you smile more than anything? Hmm. Quality time with uh, with the family. Cool. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A landscape architect. Nice. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering in the world, what would it be? I think our topic today uh, on regarding uh, abortions would be the one. Mm, got that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Hmm. Um, here lies a man who lived uh, courageously and faithfully and made the world a better place. Excellent. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates, Andrew? Well done, my faithful servant. Awesome. And final question. If you could come back to life and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? After I passed? Yeah. One piece of advice. Uh, probably just uh, appear as a ghost and say, boo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got it. I see that playful side of you coming out there. Okay, Andrew, uh, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you if you wanted them to or not? You could pass, whatever you like. Uh, via, you know, via your pod podcast. Gotcha. Excellent. Andrew, thanks for joining us today, and I wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and remember that God the Father loves you. He's fascinated by you and he wants to show you his awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with him and I'll see you on the next show.